good evening and welcome to the Marseille View, the English language OM podcast. My name is Stefan Robert and I'll be your host tonight. I'm joined by three guests. I've got Ed Spencer. Hello, Ed. Good evening. Good evening. Ben Senouille. <laughs> Close I'm... enough. Good evening. <laughs> and Lucas Julian. Yeah, that's me. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Um, so this is the first ever edition of the Marseille View. Uh, for those of you who aren't following us on Twitter, this is an Olympique de Marseille fan podcast. We're not professional football pundits, we're just OM fans who want to talk about Marseille. The Marseille View has really come from Twitter. Um, we're hoping to create an English language podcast to reach those Marseille fans outside of France, especially those whose first language might not be English. Um, and they might not be able to understand uh, the bulk of OM podcast websites, TV shows, fan forum, fan forums, etc. Um, we had a good response from Twitter about setting this up, so we decided to finally give it a go ahead. Um, we've got a group of OM fans from Europe and across the Atlantic who hopefully will be involved over the coming podcasts in the next weeks and months, um, and we'll be able to bring you red regular podcasts. Um, we'll try to follow the same format, most episodes, reviewing matches, discussing upcoming games. Tonight we'll review Sunday's game with Saint-Étienne and we'll also look forward to next Sunday's match against Nice. We'll also have a look at some relevant OM news over the last couple of weeks and we'll even, because it's one month after the January transfer window closed, we'll have a look at Marseille's incomings and outgoings in the January window. Um, as it's our first podcast ever, We'll start tonight with some introductions, so I think it'll be good if we can all say a little bit about how we came to be OM fans. Um, Who volunteers to go first with this one? Yeah, happy happy right. to start. Um, hi away. guys, my name is Ben. Hi everyone. Um, very simply for me, I guess it's, it's a bit of a, a cultural thing. I, I was born in the UK, my dad's French. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side is from Marseille, so I moved to France at the age of four. Um, I, I grew up in, in sort of Paris region, but my grandfather made sure that I was sort of heavily um, indulged with everything Marseille and, and OM related. Uh, I think that one of my first childhood memories is, is the 1993 Champions League final, which is one of the first ever games I remember watching on TV. I've still got the, the VHS recording of it. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's it in a nutshell. Followed them ever since. Moved back to the UK in 2007. Uh, fond memories of supporting them here, going to away games. Um, I wasn't at Anfield in 2007 when, when mm -hmm. Valbuena scored, but I remember watching that in the university bar with, with an OM shirt and, and all the Liverpool fans thought I was a United fan taking the piss. Um, and then they actually heard me singing the chants in French, so they, they clucked on that I was really French. And um, yeah, been been following them ever since. Uh, I, I tend to go to to try and go to the Velodrome at least once a season, and then last year I was I was fortunate to travel to a couple of the the away European games, um, Salzburg, mm. and then I went to the the final in Lyon, and then uh, Lucas will elaborate on this, but um, we we've recently set up as as part of the club's initiative with with foreign based fans the OM Nation program. Um, I, we're, we're both a part of the UK chapter, if we can call it that. It's not a religious cult. Um, <laughs> but it is for us, I guess. It is for us, OM fans, because it is like a bit of a religion for us. And um, we, we get together every Sunday night. Uh, we have a WhatsApp group. We can discuss that later on. But we, we try and get together. Um, as an example, last night there were about between 15 and 20 of us in, in London Bridge watching the game in a bar on a big screen. Um, and that's it. That's me. Brilliant. I'm so jealous that all that's going on in London. It's so hard to find Marseille <laughs> fans outside of London. <laughs> right. um, shall I go next? Yeah, I think I'll say a few words about myself. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, my dad's French as well, so I grew up a Marseille fan. My dad's not actually from Nîmes, though. Um, from Marseille, he's actually from Nîmes. But I guess when I was a kid, Nîmes weren't very good, and Marseille are quite popular in that region. And most of my, well, all my family, cousins, uncles, all supported Marseille as well all my life. So I, my earliest memories were similar to yours, early 90s. Um, Marseille being actually being quite good and being on the television a lot. Um, the, the one game that kind of sticks out to me is against Rangers. I remember them playing against Rangers in the, the well, European Cup. Um, I don't. 
I think that sits with me because I'm from Glasgow and I remember all growing up, all through my childhood, everyone was always talking about Rangers Marseille whenever they found out I was a Marseille fan and the fact that, you know, Marseille had apparently cheated Rangers out of a European Cup <laughs> final. But, but yeah, um, that's pretty much my story. I, like yourself, I, I try to make it out there once a year to, to see a game, but um, I haven't actually been this season, but hopefully get to see one before the end of the season um ed do you want to have a bash yeah sure um my name's ed um i wasn't really a football fan until brazil 2015 world cup and then after after the world cup i needed to find a team and i was a big fan of bernard Tapie because i was studying business studies and i was a huge admirer of him and i fell on marseille there was a document about the 93 team um I've got no real family that are French. I've been I've been to France for nearly fifteen years on holiday. Unfortunately, it's in the Bordeaux region, so I've got a few dirty looks. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I follow them every, every game. I watch them. I, you know, I'm probably one of the worst people to watch a football game with because I'm jumping around on the sofa when Marseille score or screaming <laughs> like a banshee or kicking bins. It's just. But I wanted to go to Velodrome, but it's just. It's just time with university at the moment. Uh, plus, you know, it's quite difficult to get a flight from Birmingham to Marseille to Frankfurt. But hopefully one day, you know, I've got plenty of time to go to Marseille. Just hopefully go there and three points. It's not crushing 5 nil to two. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, Lucas, do you, is it Lucas or Luca? Uh, it's it's Luca. Luca, okay. Do you want to? I'll, I'll accept either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I'll be your your first first French born of the of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I'm Luca. I was born uh, not so far from Marseille uh, in Martigues, which is half an hour away from Marseille. Uh, lived there for about uh, twelve years before I moved to to Winchester in England, uh, and now I'm at uni in London. Um, as obviously Ben knows me from the from the London team, uh, so I'm now 22, uh, and yeah, it's been a I've been a, a weird spot because I'm too young to have experienced the glory of Marseille in the 90s, but I'm also I'm also too old to to be that like post post Didier Deschamps like era. Where you, you get a lot of uh, of uh, fanboys of uh, of, of Balotelli at the moment and then Tova. So I'm a bit of a of the. I'm from this weird generation where I haven't experienced a lot of uh, success, but you know you still get the you still get the the loyalty and like the craziness. Uh, in terms of watching the games, uh, I also tend I go see my family back in Marseille once a year, so I I tend to see the first home game of the season. So this year was Toulouse. Which was not a bad game to be honest, one four nil. But yeah, I mean, as Ben knows me from the from the games, I'm a pretty vocal supporter. <laughs> Indeed, a <laughs> uh, bit opinionated at times, I reckon. Uh, I I broke my debit card during the Mitroglou uh, miss during the Marseille Dijon game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> I smashed my debit card on the table, and uh, it <laughs> took me a month to get it fixed. Um, I remember having to buy the beers. I remember that part. Oh god! Yeah, I think it was at this point that I officially left the Costas FC uh, fan club, and then decided to just 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 hate both strikers. But anyway, uh, back to more general points. Uh, yeah, so. I think I'm, I'm quite excited to, to do this podcast because uh, I listen to a lot of French-speaking podcasts and mm-hmm. there's a lot of fans outside of France who obviously cannot listen to them. And there's you probably about tens and tens of, of French-speaking podcasts, but I'm really, really proud to be part of this, to be honest. It's, uh, I reckon it'll probably probably reach a lot of fans out there who can't listen to these podcasts. No worries, yeah. though. <laughs> Um, so I think we'll um, move on to the, um, the next section of the agenda. So thought we could now talk about um, Sunday's match against Saint Etienne. Um, so um, for those of you who didn't see the game, Marseille won quite comfortably two nothing at home. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys? Um, I thought it was it was good for performance first half, but second half it was just look, it was grab it. Was, it was like no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, Ed. Sorry, yeah, we, we, as you say, we 
we tend to do the opposite, don't we? We tend to play like we played in the first half in second halves of games. And this game was the complete opposite. Hmm. Yeah, we we played like that against uh, Apollyon. We were two 0 up, and we um, mm. we dropped a clanger, and it, it was well, it was embarrassing, quite frankly. But uh, we've just got to keep this momentum up. We're five point five now, Leon. We can do it. We can get Champions League. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you look at the, you know, the the upcoming games. Yeah, uh, the look at because. Uh, if you look past the PSG game, which I agree is pretty much a guaranteed loss, um, we have very, very easy games for the next six games. We have Angers, then we have Nantes. Uh, we have, obviously, the, the classic Bordeaux game. And we have mm. Nîmes at home uh, at Strasbourg. We have a lot of games that we can get three points at. And then you compare it to Lille, who have uh, Saint-Etienne next week. And then are playing, uh, in the next five games, they're playing Lyon, PSG, Reims away, not away, so it, I think there's a I'm still, I'm, I still think the Lille will drop points and we will catch them up because they're, they're playing shocking football in the last few weeks. Do you not think that Leon's more realistic to catch than Leo, given that Leo have been winning, they're on such a long winning streak? They, they, yeah, they've got a, they have got a 10 point cushion as well. Yeah, it's it's doable. Luca is right, I think both, both of those teams will drop points. Um, if we're, if we're ever the optimistic IM fans, we'd, we'd like to think mm. that we, we've dropped our fair share of points and that's done for us now. We're, we're now in a, in, in a sort of momentum and we have the edge in terms of, as Lucas said, the fixture list, but also the energy and the positivity that seems to be flowing around the, the, the sort of squad at the moment. Um, I mean, it, it, it is doable. I think it is doable. Um, but we, we we only have ourselves to, uh, to control it. We are our, mm. our own worst enemies at times. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think I think I think going back to the to today's game, to yesterday's game. Sorry, um, even though Santa Chen are a big team and we seem to struggle against big teams, it's it, it's just like us against Bordeaux away. It, we cannot lose against this team, whatever we do. So, you know, it's been so long, and you've seen these Santa Chen home games over the years, and, and we always find a way to win this game. So I wasn't really worried about that. True. Um, I, 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 initially, I was really worried about it, but then I, I read online about the fact that I think we hadn't lost that game for so many years, and I did think it's well, been forty years. Yeah, 40 that's years a long time. Forty. Similar to our record in Bordeaux, unfortunately. Yeah, some kind of voodoo <laughs> stuff, you know. You just you, doesn't matter what kind of team you put out, you always either win mm. or lose in Bordeaux. In our case. And it was quite clear from the opening minutes. Uh, you learned quite quickly that Santa Ten didn't look quite right. I felt mm. I, I got the impression that they weren't going to um, have a good night very early on. Well, they no, they I... started without the striker, didn't they? I mean, Diony was on the bench, Beric was on the bench. Um, mm. they, they seemed more like a, an attempt to contain us than, than an attempt to actually go for it. Mm. Um, I think they had that clear cut chance just after the Balotelli opener where Bunasar threw himself. When the, the ball went, was played across the face of goal, oh, yeah. luckily Bunasar oh. blunts it at the far post. And, you know, if, if we were to, to sort of do positives and negatives, I think the defence, Bunasar included, was probably one of his best games of the season. It's very reassuring to see that there is some continuity with Kaleta and, and Kamara, who, who really seem to understand each other and, and bring out strengths in each other. They, they just seem to have this carefree approach mm. to it that maybe will bite us in the ass against PSG but for now it seems to be going well um, but then it's, it's back to you, know, you, you don't want to play the, the defeatist or the negativist but back to, to I think Luca you mentioned it to me yesterday I mean back to after the two goals it, it was just back to nothing it was it was just empty the contents wasn't there mm. Mm. set pieces again and uh, I know it's, it's a good point to be good on set pieces but you can't always rely on it. And mm. when you look at the content, I'm, I'm so happy about the first 30 minutes because we were dominating. Mm. Um, Especially the, but, the, the goal, sorry, the, 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 um, the build-up play that led to the, the penalty where yeah, Sosso yeah. does, does a really good job of getting the ball back and then he finds a really, really good pass that initially a lot of us in the bar were shouting because we thought he would, he'd misplaced it and then suddenly yeah. someone runs onto the end of it and, and you get a penalty out of it. So, mm. But after mm. that, as you say, there was, was not much there. We did not create much after that. Can I, can I say, I don't think, I think Maxi Lopez, I don't know why they're sticking him with one free kicks. He's no Dimitri Payet, let's be honest with us. Um, but it was reassuring to see Steve Mondonda have a good game. 
and deck things. Yes. Yes, he did make a couple of crucial, especially in the second half. I think he um, he made a very good uh, save from across. He actually came off his line for a change. Yeah, he's he's been slandered as of late, but I think tonight, last night, I think it was a good performance. And uh, look, the only criticism I've really got is Gustavo looked like the uh, headless chicken out there. He looked like he. Had, mm. Oh, that he, was worrying. He mm. he looked like, he looked like he was running around a supermarket with five minutes of closing time. Look. Everything he tried was was he, he lost the ball or he fell on the ground to get a cheap free kick, even though he it was not a free kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think though maybe he's just lacking match practice? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. But how, there's only eleven games in a season. How how long are you going to give him? I would have put him in though, just because I worry about playing a midfield duo of Sanson and Lopez I just feel like neither of them are really that great at winning the ball back and mm. it's good to have someone like Strutman or Gustavo who's a bit more of a midfield destroyer you know and I, I just worry against like teams that have got a good midfield Sanson and Lopez just physically they're not they're not it, strong enough yeah they positioning are, wise as well yeah they are a bit fragile I think I think the trouble is Strutman's not much I mean, Strootman, he has two modes. He has the Strootman that he was before 2014, where he was big. And then he has this Strootman where he looks like an old man. He just walks mm. about, loses ball, loses ball. Oh, they've scored. Yeah. You, see, you do see flashes, though, this season. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm he has improved uh, before, before he got injured. As, yeah, you're right, Luca. Before he got injured, I think especially the away game at Saint-Étienne, the reverse fixture that was moved from, from December to January, and, and that was probably one of his best games in a, in a Marseille shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Garcia, I think and as an overall point about the, the you know, quote-unquote um, leaders of the team just by, by salary wage, uh, the Streetman, Paya, Gustavo, who are, who are sitting on the bench, I, I wonder how much of that is, is really what he's saying when it's like, oh, they must win their place back. It's not, it's not earned to them. But I mean, Gustavo played his whole season as centre back. He's he, yeah, exactly. he didn't have to. Strutman was playing good, and Payet has been awful for this winter. But he's always great in springtime. Like you, you can't just you can't just keep a four four two with players that are yes good, but or on form. Sorry, then they're, they're not that great, but they are on form. And just leave all these players on the bench, or or not not even putting them on. You're playing PSG in two weeks' time. You're going to get. Killed with Sanson and Lopez in the midfield. But do you not think he's just going to bring in Strutman and Gustavo Payet for that game? Are you going to send them to the slaughterhouse then? Because they yeah. haven't got a game in their feet. Mm. Well, you'd, you'd like to think one or two of them will, will play at least a, a solid 60 minutes next week against Nice to, to find their, their feet again. Um, and plus, it, it, that is a must-win game. I think you know we'll, we'll discuss that game afterwards. But as you say, if you, you can't just drop him in. And, and we've seen the problem with Garcia is he has a tendency to do that. He's done it with Kalita and, and Rami at Nîmes, uh, where we got we got slaughtered, and they they both had never played together before and, and looked off mm. the pace. And uh, with with Radonic, the poor lad, he, he puts him in in the Europa League game at home in an empty stadium, and, and again we, we struggled because the whole team was struggling. It's not the best. The yeah. best climate to, to drop them back in the eleven. Yeah. yeah, I also think Luca. I agree. If you put Samson and Lopez in the midfield, you're gonna have a scorehouse. But you're also gonna think Balotelli up front. He can't do all the work. The man has really got to get his head, his head cleared. Uh, Ninji just can't do anything. Ninji is he's got the first touch of a truck. Yeah, um, he's a pace merchant. He is a God. pace merchant. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, we're talking about Gustavo coming off the bench, but let's talk about NG's five last games when he's brought nothing off the bench. And then Radonic is not even on the team sheet. Like, yeah. what, what is this management? That's strange because Radonic had started to show a little bit of promise in his last few appearances. Um, I was quite critical of him at the start of the season, but in his last few games, I kind of felt like he was starting to show something. And strangely, he's kind of disappeared. He's disappeared, so I'm not quite sure what Garcia is thinking, why he's taking yeah. him out. It's insane, though. Like when you look at the before the season, the last year and a half, the only thing people were pr- like praising on Garcia was his man management. He was always seemed to put Zumbo at the right time to not play Kamara, not play Kamara too quick, 
to not put Lopez in, in like suicide situations. And this year, every single time he had to make a decision on his, on the man he had to put on or like the run of form, he's always chosen the wrong decision. Like at, with Strootman, he had an awful run of games before Christmas and he always played. And now he's starting to get back into the game. Yes, he had an injury to like a couple of weeks ago, but he's back now. And now you're saying you have to win your place back when... Sanson and Lopez were awful against Ren. Sorry, if you if you look at the Streetman situation, I mean, um, there's a couple of, of. I mean, we're all on social media, so on, on Twitter, there's a video of him that's um, he's actually getting quite annoyed at NG during the warm up. Very vocal. Mm. They're playing the ball, you know, a game of, of keep the ball with, with one defender in the middle. He's actually screaming at him, "Mate, you lost the ball. You get in the bloody middle. It's your it's your mm. turn." He's taking it really seriously. So, out of all those those as you as you said those so called leaders, those big salaries, I think like, he's probably the one who's the most likely to 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 sort of play his way back into the team, just because yeah. he knows that Garcia has faith in him. He brought him here for a reason. I think he's the one who's most likely to start next week. I may be yeah. mistaken. I, th- I hope so. Um, I think on a side note, one of these extra topics is: Did you guys uh, see his interview in in Lequeep this week? Very down um, to earth, yeah. Yeah, he that was one of his well, like one you know, one of these interviews when you when you just put the whole like the whole like social media back on his side and it's like he's just taking he's just taking responsibility for his poor season, saying that he had a bad like kind of uh like moving situation where he set a hotel for hotel for four months and he really underestimated the level of, of League One and he was you know, he was like snapping into action. Um mm. whereas whereas you see, you know, you see the whole front of, of communication of OM Nation and Balotelli with the selfies and stuff. But I think that there's behind the scenes, there's like a brewing discontent with Rolando that we saw today saying that he's vexed of being put in the stand. Yeah, apparently he refused to warm up, which is yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, quite surprising. Uh, Payet, who we know, we know when he doesn't get his way, starts to, to moan a lot. You know, it's bad, you know, it's bad when fans are telling you to bleep off to China. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy with Rolando refusing to play. I'd rather he wasn't near the first eleven anymore. I don't think there's, I know. there's that much he can offer. Yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a weird one. I, I, I don't know if we kept him around out of charity because he he got that bad injury. You know, mm. let, he's, let's face it, he is in the club's history. He scored a goal that, that put us in a European final. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, it, it should have been a thank you, goodbye. But it, it, I think I don't know if we kept him on out of charity or because genuinely Garcia thought he could use him when he came back. And, no, I uh, think it was charity. But they they were like at the time when he comes back, I think it's November time, and Chatsa is is really deep, deep like yeah. down. Rami was bad as well. Yeah, and Kamara was for some reason not playing, even though he had a great start of the season. Yeah, and the, the Gustavo experiment was starting to show its limits. Yeah, then, where I, think yeah. I, I think Rolando came back just after we got battered away to Lille, <laughs> and that was I think that was one of Rami's last games in the starting eleven, where he yeah. was just completely out of it. What yeah. the hell? What the hell do we do with Adil Rami? He's awful. He's like, well, he's a twelfth man for the opposition. He's just constantly, he constantly, every time I've watched him, he's always giving a goal away to the opposition, and we've lost yeah. points. Yeah, the Monaco game away was bloody hell. He, he almost killed us single-handedly in that game. God, it's not this game as well. Like, I think as a disclaimer, like, I, I, I thank Rami. I think the whole team, but I think Rami, because we're talking about him right now, I thank him so much for last season. He was injured the whole time. He came back. He was so classy with how he dealt himself. Indeed. But this season, I mean, Ben, you know it from... from I, I can't deal with Rami. Every time he gets the ball, I'm putting my hands in the air and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to give the ball away. Because it wasn't just Monaco. The ran the game before. He just takes out the striker in a box for no apparent reason. And the game after is just like poor decisions after poor decisions. And and now what do you do with him? He's what well, his his wages reported well, by the keeper three hundred and fifty k. He's got to go. I mean, it's where you know, I think we're going we're going slightly off topic here. But um, you know, if you look at the players that are out of contract this summer, he's well. I think he's got another year left, but he's close to the end. Rolando is is finished. Abdenour, which is he's unheard of. God knows yeah. where the hell he is. He's going as well. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rami, you know, given his personal situation, moved to the MLS. I, I think that would be a great move for him for, for a couple mm. of years. I'm just I not think- sure if Rami is just unfit and lacking match practice, or if it is just one year too, one season too many for him. Yeah, he did. He, he also okay. gave the interview where he, you know, he was quite honest and he said, "Look, I." I well, 
he's been slated for this. I had a burnout after the World Cup, and, and everybody on social media was was very pissed off because it's, you know, mate, fine, you've had a burnout. You're on three hundred fifty grand a year, a week, mm. sorry, you know, a, a month, you know, don't piss off with your burnout and and deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> 350 quid to live on. I don't know why he's moaning about. Exactly. I mean, I think he's, he's part of his head, his head stayed in Russia quite clearly. That was mm. the peak for him. You know, he peaked then. He didn't play a minute, but he, he was there. Fair play to him. He, he was quite important in the squad and team spirit, apparently. But, you know, it's finished. It's another one that, again, Rudy mm. Garcia, you, 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 he, he seems to him. have this misplaced faith in, in some mm. players and putting them in, in at the wrong time. He's actually contracted until 2021, so he's got two oh, more years. Wow. And oh, yeah. it says he's got contract option for another year. No way. Oh. I mean, I'll, I'll put my money on the fact that he stays until the end of the contract. He's way too much. Even MLS, they have a strict salary cap, you know, when they can only like, yeah, uh, have... The only thing that, that could make him move there is, is Miss Anderson. You know, let's face it. <laughs> that, could, that could happen. He, could, you know, he, he is the type of guy who could say, hey, I could be... She'll probably get me a job in Hollywood after this. Yeah. Could I, she stay in a velodrome, though? Because I think Canapoose lo- and BT loves putting their camera on her. Oh, Stefan Guy loves her. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, don't mention that name. That's illegal on OM podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, when she's in the velodrome, he's constantly looking at her, I reckon. I reckon he's looking at her. Christ, I, hope, I hope Frank's nowhere near her, for goodness sake. <laughs> Yeah, he I probably think... tries to pass the ball to her as well. That's why he gives it away. Well, that's I... what you can up front. I do think um, that Ram is quite important for the image of the project, and I I do think that I can't. I, well, I do find, see it hard. I find I find it hard to believe that they'll sell him so soon. I think that as a French international, um, he's from the south of France. He's from Fréjus, which isn't that far, I, I believe, yeah. from Marseille. And I think he represents a lot of the things that Iro would want in OM Champions Project, which is, you know, French international players, local players that understand what the club's about and have some sort of connection with the club. Rami wa- was well known as a fan of Marseille before he signed. Um, and yeah, I think well, for those uh, kind of... Re- Najat Rami is on, on a similar podcast to ours. Absolutely. Is, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think he's, as you say, he's, he's a great ambassador. And I'd, I'd, if, he, if he was to take on and accept a, a lesser playing role next year and play, you know, play 15 or, or 20 odd games when needed and, and take on more of a, an active ambassador role and mm. maybe maybe get into coaching. I'd be all for that. Yeah, mm. I, th- I think I think that's the way forward for him because we, we've mentioned the state of our defence and if, if next year, pray to God we're not setting Kamara or, or Taitatar, um, we, we, you know, Abdenur leaves, Hubert Chan leaves, uh, Rolando leaves, you have to have a th- at least a third centre-back and I think that's probably yeah. the most natural option is to keep him on. Yeah, yeah I agree. Bring someone else then and bled them. I'd, I'd love to see yeah. us sign another French centre-back next year, a younger. Yeah. Even if move. Rami's just there to, um, you know, in the dressing room to influence the younger players like Kamara, then I think he can do a job and it's worth keeping him on for that reason. Mm. I think the same thing for Steve as well, because I think we need a new goalkeeper. It's quite clear. He's not... not Agreed. He's not, he's not the Steve Mondanda that we used to know. I think there's no. a plenty of good keepers who are young, who are talented, who are coming up, that would do the job just fine. Oh God, please! Like I, when you mention, as soon as you mention his name, I'm, I'm just literally, I get this like Cringe. adrenaline rush. I can't deal with it. I was so against his his uh, coming back because I understand the recruitment policy of saying we just deal with opportunities. So Monday there was a great opportunity to come back for really cheap, but his he came back he came back from an injury when he when he arrived, didn't he? Because he got injured in Crystal Palace. Yeah, funny um, enough, as well, when he came back, he was—he looked quite fit. He's, he's well, yeah. the fittest I've ever seen him. When he we had Pele, though, we had Pele, so you compare it. It's like when Amavi came, we had Evra to compare him to. So we think, oh my God, he's—it's just Messi coming back to life. True. But um, actually, I'm just shocking. Thank you. There's, there's no. Oh, sorry, sorry. We're just going a bit off topic. I just because yeah, I think we're going to talk about Mercato um, in the next section, but I just want to go back to the game. Um, Saint-Étienne so hold that thought a moment um, yeah. B- yeah so going back to the game I just wanted to hear your thoughts on a couple of performances so firstly Lucas Ocampos I think um, he had quite a good game actually for once 
What did you guys think of Campos? He needs to play as like a backup to Pyatt, a backup to Balotelli, maybe in the middle or maybe up front too, because I don't think he would be a good, he's good enough as a winger. He's too mm. all over the place. Mm. I don't know. I think you, so you're putting him like more as a striker position. I'd right. even put him further back. I would just say, mate, you're, you're a bench warmer unless, like what kind of, it kind of happened at points to yesterday where we kind of played five at the back. Mm. Yeah, he's um, a good left wing back. Yeah, and he's a great left wing back. He's got mm. defensive qualities. Yeah, he's got work rate. I think that's what's really appealing about him. And I can see what um, Ed's saying about putting him behind the striker because he does really work hard. He's, you know, he, he, there's something kind of. I'm going to say this, and you're going to laugh, but there's something kind of Luis Suarez about him, and that he gets stuck. <laughs> he gets <laughs> stuck. No, he, no, 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 no. Please, he get he gets stuck into his opponents, and I'm not saying he's got a fraction of that quality, but he is the kind of player that kind of rails up the opposition. So I think like playing alongside uh, another I forward, kind of, I, I can I see him. Stepping, stepping, whatever cannabis you want, I want to make. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think, mean, he's he's, yeah, he's a bit he's a bit hot and cold, and and you know I, I respect him. I, I'm grateful for all he did last season, where clearly he played above. I, I, I thought it was finally him hitting his potential because Monaco, you know, they, they must have bought him for a reason. Um, but it just, it, it hasn't quite gone on. And it, it, the, the problem is he fits in too much of the Gasser approach of this season, which has been safeguard the results, safeguard mm. the left wing. Let's block the, 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 you know, the opposition right back from, from making runs forward. And, and Ocampos is quite effective at that against the lesser yeah. teams. But I think I think I'd like to, as you say, Luca. I'd like to see him come on when we need to defend the lead, yeah. not start the game, so that we can hold the nil-nil for as long as we can. I think I think going going like in like more analysis of his game yesterday. Um, I thought at the start of the game we we really leaned towards the right side. So um, him and him, Sanso and Sakai, really I didn't see them that much. But as the game progressed in that little whatever that second half was. Um, he he was great at tidying up the place. Mm. He was great. He get got the ball back and passed it back to to Kamara or Chaitatsa and was like, right, let's go again. He was great at that. But the the yeah. problem I have is is oh my god, make your mind up about your decisions when you have the ball. Mm. He he he. Oh, his game plan is running into someone and getting for lucky bounces. Yeah, I think he just doesn't have the quality as well. Um, you know, often you find he makes a run and then he doesn't really know. Mm. You know what to do with it. He tries to turn then and shoot, and then he can't shoot. You know, or he the, the tries to dribble, he can't he, dribble. Exactly. The funniest is when he does pull off a, a trick or a, a nutmeg or something. He, the minute afterwards, he's completely lost. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't know what to do when he's got past the player. Strange because he he does have a few moments of brilliance. Sometimes you know I've seen him score some really nice like scissor kicks and things over the years. And you know, how many has he tried? How many has he tried? Yeah, true. Was but he's got. He's, there is something there. He's got some sort of raw ability he's that's got, just he's, he's never really. Goal against Hans a, a few weeks ago, but again, you look at the replays, and if it doesn't mm. take that bubble, God knows where the ball goes. But yeah, but just for just for that goal, I am paying eight million. I was on my TV screen, just gobsmacked for the next fifteen minutes, just saying, <laughs> "What just happened? What just happened?" Um, yeah. So um, there was another player's performance actually I thought was worth looking at and I was thinking about the left-back position because Sakai came in for Jordana Mavi. Um, how did you think Sakai did and um, how do you think Solid. he competes with a Mavi for that position? Well, unfortunately he isn't competing because Garcia's, despite consistently playing Sakai at left-back last year and, and both of them relaying each other after ever left, uh, it's, I, I don't know, I don't think... Garcia sees him as a real competitor there. But the, the, the point being, when he does come in, he always puts in a shift. Mm. Yeah, John Amavi, I think, is, is far too inconsistent. I mean, the trouble, I think Sakai put in a solid performance. He didn't succeed, he didn't cause any issues for his, his defensive colleague. But will John Amavi accept being the second choice left back? I really don't. So I think Garcia is just playing. And I'd be in that position just to keep him happy, keep him sweet and not mm. put his transfer request in. Yeah, he's not pushing on, but I, I, I wouldn't mind him putting in a transfer request. Yeah, I, I again like he's a player that I'd quite I'd rather keep him. I just think he needs some quality competition and at left back to to kind of maybe, push maybe him that on. Maybe will spur him on. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
I think I'm just again it's similar to the Rami thing. I like the fact that he's well, he's kind of local. He's not. He's from the south, but he's he's from I think too long. He's not from the Marseille, but close enough. And I like the fact that you know you've got some players from that region that kind of understand what the what the club means. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, and I think like we've not had that because we've not had that many players come through our own system from Marseille over the years. It's good, you know, we can take what we can get from in and around the south of France. Mm. Um, so I kind of liked him in that from that point of view that he kind of he's he's. To somewhat local, somewhat yeah. a local boy, but I think I think going back to Sakai and his game. Um, well, I, I agree. When he comes on the left side, you know he's very defensively minded because he's aware of his limitations on his left foot, and so you know, like, just there's nothing gonna like when when teams opening opposing teams really come with game plans clearly now to say go on their Marseille left side and it will go through. Sakai really puts an anchor on that side, yeah. and that's great. But yeah, when you have and, Sakai yeah. and Ocampos on that on that same side, you saw it in the first 15 minutes when like Lopez would have the ball and he would turn to his right side straight away because you yeah, knew nullify, there was nothing coming back. Yeah, you'd nullify the attacking threat. And you know, yeah. to, to finish, I think on the on the Sakai and Mavi debate, interestingly enough, Mavi's first game back is PSG and Oh God. I, will uh, will he play him? I'd I'd like you know, I'd like yeah. to see Sakai continue though. If this is the approach we're going for, then Cavani's going to come back, and it's going to be Mbappe, Mbappe on Namavi. Yeah. No, it's not possible. I mean, it's that's then knowing Garcia, he's he's very capable of just dumping Amavi in, in in the crap. I hope and, so because starting him. I mean, I mean, I mean, Amavi. Honestly, I think he works. He's quite like a. Do you remember Jordan? Are you? He was quite a player that worked with like the confidence. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So, but now I think there was an element of putting Payet on the left wing and leaving Amavi completely on his own on the Exposed. left side, and he lost confidence game by game, and to the point where now he's I think he's he's unsavable, unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna put him back against PSG. He's gonna he's gonna either get a red card or or make give two goals away, and that's his career for, like finished at Marseille. Like you're just not doing him any favor by putting him back in this game. Who knows? Hopefully he won't, but it is likely. Yeah, he will. I believe he will. Right, guys. I think we'll um, move on to the next um, section. So I thought we could look ahead at um, Nice Marseille on Sunday night. Um, what are your thoughts about that game? Well, uh, what to say about Nice? Really, they're they're so inconsistent. They're so inconsistent. They're capable of beating Lyon, albeit they were being dominating the whole game, but they still won. And then just losing against uh, Angers three 0 Um they're, they're really reliant on Sam Maxima and Atal, who are great, great players, but they're very, very offensively minded. Um, but I think I think Vieira tried to instill this passing, um, to continue Favre's um, passing mentality, but the quality is just not there, I think. So they make a lot of mistakes at the back. And if you have a compost in this game, you can make a lot of damage. Picking up yeah, yeah, and we know that Balotelli is going to be super motivated to, to shut some mouths. Mm. So, I, I, Balotelli will score. I think it's a given that he will score there. It's a home game, actually. The game's in Marseille. Is it? Yeah, oh, well, yeah it's two home games. I can, I can see it being very, very similar to the game yesterday, to be fair. I think yeah. it's easy pickings, really. I think Balotelli will be up for it. Nice are just woefully inconsistent. Mm. I, think, I think it would be easy. We could just put on the youth team at our time as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um, Playing Sakai yeah. is a good thing against Nice because the little right wing back they've got Atal. He looks mm. fantastic and he's really, yeah, really he's good, good for yeah, yeah, really good going forward. And I, I do worry that he would just destroy Jordan Amavi. And all I'm saying is that uh, Atal was actually proposed, like he was uh, offered to Marseille for two million. When he placed in League Two last year, and then we uh, didn't even. Uh, uh, I don't, e- don't even want to hear that. That's just sickening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, the the one thing that that I've got in the back of my mind is is this this for me is is Balotelli's first big test because they they know him and they will mm. they will try and wind him up and he, if he keeps his head in this game, you know, bearing in mind that he's capable of of everything, if he keeps his head in this game, scores his goal. Know, celebrates as he wants to, and then doesn't get sent off, doesn't get injured because they will kick him. Mm-hmm. This is this is his first big test. He he needs to stand up and and prove that he's moved on. He's not the player he was mentally. He's 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 stable and he's capable of carrying this. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And in in terms of 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 uh, Nice's um, style, they're very similar to Saint Etienne in a way that they play a three at the back, which is clearly favourable to a Lopez Sanson because we have the ball most of the time, and. They, they they are not very impressive uh, apart from when they counter attack and we we see him with Kamara and and Chaitasal. They Chaitasal may be big but he's actually quite fast and we seem to be able to to hold these counter attacks down. I, I think he's going to be very favourable for us. We're, we're probably going to have most of the possession. I'll probably talk about 60-65% of the possession and I reckon Balotelli probably scores and maybe his new best friend Torvan scores another. Right. So yeah. I want to hear your predictions. What what what's your, what's your prediction to score? Uh, I'd say 3-1. I right, can see us winning 3-1. What about you, Ed? 3-0. 3-0. Oh, that's confident. <laughs> uh, I'll probably I'll probably stick to a 2-1. Given that I was right about this prediction against Etienne, I think we're probably going to concede by San Maxima and then Balotelli will probably score a couple. He's a very confident. I think I'm going to go for 1-0. I think Nice are quite strong defensively. You know, quite a defensive team, and I think Marseille will struggle to score many goals against them. Mm. Yeah, it's going to depend how we approach the game. If we if we go on it, if we in, go into it, sorry, foot on the gas as we did yesterday, Sanson, Lopez, spraying balls around, we will be too much for them in the first few minutes. But if we don't capitalise on those minutes and score, uh, you know, similarly to how we saw a very good, vibrant velodrome last night behind the team, if if we don't score and the stadium starts getting frustrated, especially in, in a local derby, it can go the other way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think we'll move on now. And we'll, um, as I said before, I think we'll have a look at the January transfer window. Um, so in January, we saw just one player arrive. We saw um, Mario Balotelli came from Nice um, on a free transfer. And we've also seen a few outgoings as well, such as Gregory Sertic. Sertic and uh, Christopher Rockier, I believe. What are your thoughts yeah, on the January period? Well, we've, clearly, we've, we've highlighted the issue with with Amavi and not bringing in a left back is is quite you know, it's quite interesting that mm. you let Rockier go and, and there was this whole imbroglio over whether I think we blocked it initially and then we let him go towards the end of the window, which generally signals that we found someone to bring in instead of him, but. Nobody yeah, came in, and, and no. Amavi has, has just got him worse and worse, frankly. And well, he he has improved a bit. I think he's been a, he, he seems a bit more concentrated in games, but uh, yeah, that that clearly was the other the only other position in the team that needed strengthening with the number nine position, and, and we mm. didn't do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's been a dis. I mean, when you look at the Balotelli right now, uh, I agree. Like this is a great addition to the team, and it was needed, but. I mean, you saw another interview with Garcia the other week, who says, um, "We know we're waiting for um, the the um, summer summer Mercato um, to hopefully bring in a left back." It's been a year and a half, nearly two years now that Ever has been fired. Effectively, how are we still on this issue that we still haven't like got a clear idea of who's going to be next? I mean, when you look at Leon last year, they needed a right back in a, in a January transfer window, but they couldn't, right? So they bought Dubois. And then left him in Nantes. Yeah. And came back the first day of the Mercato. We're going to spend another summer Mercato buying a left back in August, probably Dalbert or yeah. Conan or someone like that. And then um, it's going to take so long to get back into this. Who do you think? That topic is, is Kenny Lala. Is he a right back? A left back? He's a right back. He can back. play left back. He's yeah, a right he, back. he can play left back, yeah. Um, who do you think is to blame for that? Do you think it's Garcia, Zubi Zeretta, or Iro? <sighs> God knows, it's it's such a long-winded subject. I mean, Ed, you could probably weigh in here, but it's who who the hell knows what what how that how that that trio works, and mm. you just it just seems to be completely, you know, random in in terms of when we go for a player, who signs it off, is Zubizaita making the recommendations? If so, mm. is Garcia blocking all of them? What is what is Ero doing? You know, he quite, yeah. quite clearly stated that he was giving full powers to the manager. Mm-hmm. So, what is the point of Zubizaita? So, yeah, you they, sort they, of question that structure. Yeah. Where they, they, where, sorry, where are they getting these recruiting? What, what videos are they watching, seeing these players? I mean, who's, who in their right mind thought 
Let's sign Gregory Seretic. I mean, what on earth were they playing at? <laughs> Apparently, that was Garcia. Was that I? I, I read well, at the time that was Garcia's wish to sign Seretic. Well, let's you know. Let's let's do, we'll, we'll delve into it when we get onto the Tappy topic. But um, you know, we we know the kind of, of characters that float around the club, and that, that, you know, him and, and Radonich, interestingly enough, is is a, a sim, same agent as Rudy Garcia. And, yeah. Does he get a kickback? Probably. Who is? Those. Who is that, the agent? So the, the agent is. Um, it's not Belnes, is it? Is. No, it's not Belnes. Uh, it's I not Belnes. I can't remember either. It's, it's the we'll same. Mo- you know, he out. worked with Hadanich at Roma, and he he quite yeah. clearly went for him. And we let's be honest, we paid a bit of a ro- an overinflated fee for him. Mm. And Satic yeah. was was the same. I, I can understand. For me, Satic is quite similar to when we went for Romao. When when hmm. when we needed the number six back then, except that hmm. Romao has got the physical qualities and, and could come in and actually, if you look at him now, I mean, he's he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think yeah. I think um, just quickly on that Radonich before like going into before I like start ranting about the that trio. Um, I did talk to a Red Star Belgrade um, fans shortly after we signed him, and he said he had no understanding why Marseille put so much because you you put that much money for potential, right? But he said it was very clear what Rodonic's gameplay was. It was a very wasteful player, capable of brilliant moments. But they really, they, you could see that he was peaking, or like there was, he was always going to be that type of player. I so had I the same conversation with with a Red Star Belgrade fan on Twitter. Actually, he told me the same things at the start, um, and he has he was shown to be right. Actually, from what mm. I've seen of Radonic over the first few months, I was quite disappointed. Yeah. But um, I think there's still a lot more to see on Radonic. It's not like we're we're dooming him already, but yeah. I think when you look at his history and people's feedback on him. Um, I, I'm not that hopeful, to be fair. Yeah. So going back to Gregory Sertic, are you pleased then that he's made, he's on he's he's left the club temporarily? But you, the well, floor is yours. Yes. <laughs> uh, very much so. I think uh, uh, if you know the Twitter account uh, Thomas, the uh, high mm. Marseille Twitter okay. account, I uh, messaged him on Snapchat asking who is this guy? And he said. Excuse my language. He said he was a fucking shit player. I think <laughs> all really. He was that on all contributed absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so yeah, he's I, actually I think... gone to um, FC Zurich just until June, though, until the end of the season. So he could end up back at Marseille. But I think nah, he's got to no... go. He's got to go. Yeah. Well, we hope so. Um, he's got another year in his contract at Marseille. Right, runs until yeah. June twenty twenty. But I mean, in. Uh, I, I was disappointed when he came, but one thing I, I I did remember at the time was he had a year or two at Bordeaux where he did he played quite well and he was quite solid, and I think that's possibly how he managed to somehow jump from Bordeaux, being an average player, to yeah, signing for Marseille. Exactly, and interestingly, when he when he peaks at Bordeaux. It was at the centre-back position. Yeah, that's right. And that's when, Gar- I think when he was signed was because Garcia wanted someone that could play in midfield and in defence. Um, and it was in the January of 2017 when um, the first uh, transfer window after um, McCourt bought the club and he wanted to bring in someone, some defensive cover, but they didn't. They weren't able to go out and get a top defender at the time. They were, I think they were linked with names like Rami, Abdenour, Benatia, but they knew they had to wait till the summer to get but someone. You say that, but we, they, they went out and bought Payet a couple of weeks later. So it's yeah. it's a very yeah. interesting. Well, it was obviously very interesting. Sertic was the the defender was the cheap option, wasn't it? It was to spend yeah. the money on Payet and bring a defender in on the cheap until the summer, and Sertic was the one that Garcia said yes to. Yeah, some I, strange I think, reason. But I think when I when I start reflecting on like that that little trio. Um, I, th- I think it's important, like, obviously, they're being, they're, they're being branded, like, OM Champions Project. Um, but they, I think they, they've start, they, changed, they changed philosophy a little bit because they started saying, right, we need to start winning right away. So let's get 29, 30-year-olds in who are experienced, like Sertic. That's, that's what Garcia has always done. Yeah, but then last year, I think maybe because, because uh, they started seeing the amount of money that these people cost. Like, last year's window, you started buying Radonich which doesn't fit with the, the history that Garcia's had. Or it's very strange. Stuff. But then Radonic, Garcia had played with him before. He'd managed him at Roma. No, Maybe. but 
he was in he was in the Roma Academy. Yeah, yeah. He, never, he never played again. Yes, but he was he was familiar with him, and maybe that's why he was willing to well, to he, accept that. He introduced that. him to his agent. He introduced him to his agent. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, as I'm, simple as that. I don't know, really. I, th- I think Zuba Zareta from from the from the the feedback that I get from people who like look a lot into the youth team, he's mm-hmm. had a lot of. Of not not already not short term impact, but he's made a lot of restructurations yeah. to the youth system. Yeah. So I think that's that's really useful because that's what we're going to need to do. We're not a we're not a state. It was we long overdue. Yeah, yeah it, long overdue. Interestingly, it, it all came out. So they they had this big um, um, nation dinner that they on Saturday that we were all invited to as members, but conveniently they only sent the invitation out the week before. Which is, <laughs> yeah, you know that needs some work. But um, he, he did mention this. This is all to to Zubi's credit and you know he he recommended a, a an eightfold increase in the investment into the youth program which he got he got signed off yeah. um and we're, we're seeing that i mean we, we can see that we're entering partnerships with local clubs i think we entered a partnership with um was it an algerian based club the other day yeah we did yeah. Um, we did and and i think Erol, his his closing statement was look our objective is we, we've seen leon and as, as haters you know as much as we love to hate Lyon. That their model is sound, and they're producing quality youngsters. They've got three or four consistently starting in the first team. That you know they've they brought a couple in that were on post post sort of formation like Ndombele, and they've turned him into a great player. And then yeah. you look at, at players like Aoua, who's he's phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we, we need to start so, developing those players. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a topic actually that we can u- use in another podcast. It's mm. um, it's such an interesting area of the club, yeah. and it's it's going to be really good to see where how these changes sort of over the next few years, whether or not they come to fruition and start producing some good young players for Marseille. And, then, uh, the, and the last takeaway from the, the dinner on Saturday was Eero um, has requested that we stop using the term OM Champions Project. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, of, <laughs> lot of expectations management, isn't it? So it's, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. But... Oh, that, dear. That, why is that? It's because PSG fans are laughing at us when we get mullered every time <laughs> It's not Wasn't just it? PSG I think it was Macron. It was Macron three years ago who said, uh, "I want PSG to be scared of playing us the week Jesus. before because they can't seem to beat us." It, well, it's you, man, come on. Should, maybe you should try try putting um, drugs in their in their drinks. You know, <laughs> maybe that's what they serve at the OM Nation right. dinner. That's why they were clapping. Well, I think that sort of brings us to our next uh, subject and our last one tonight, which is just a review of the the news at the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, well. Probably the biggest story that I've sort of seen in the last week is the accusations against Bernard Tappie. Um Ben, do you want to talk us through a little bit about that? You know, well, it's it's that very subject? brief. So, yeah, very brief. So Tappie, for, for those that, that know him from the, the football point of view, he also went on to then have a political career and also, you know, he, he made quite a lot of money from suing a former employer and he bought La Provence newspaper. And and this, this person, Fratani, who's crawled out of the woodwork, Interestingly enough, a few years ago, wrote a book about Tapi and, and praised him. Um, and then it seems that in, in recent years, Tapi didn't follow through on, on a, or who knows if it's a promise, but a, an agreement to promote him in, in the newspaper. And the, you know, Fatani has decided to have sour grapes. Um, the fact is, where's the proof? Bring the mm. proof to the table. You, you're saying that you participated in bribing a referee. Which one? What's his name? Which game was it specifically? And it, it just seems to be very simple that, that any time Tapie is mentioned in the French press, they just squirm around and they just love it. And, and you know, the main, the main takeaway I, I make from it is, you know, Tapie's name comes up in, in something that was allegedly done 25 years ago when all the teams were, were probably doing dodgy stuff. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, been, it's been proven. We, we lost against Palmer in, in 97. They were all doped. Yep. Um, you know, yep. Bordeaux, PSG, where PSG threw the game away to, to make Bordeaux champions instead of us. Or the uh, year before 93, against Benfica, it was the well. Vada handball. The handball, yeah. And, and Nobody screams about it does, that. It does feel like that we've kind of um, become the scapegoat, the scapegoat for a period yeah. of corruption. Um, other than Juventus, maybe, in, in about sort of 10 years ago, um, when yeah, they, since the, the Serie A scandal. Yeah, Wenger mm. brings it up regularly and says that he, he hates Marseille for that. But it, yeah. my, my, my last two cents on the topic is, Tapi's name comes up, he gets a two-page spread, in Le Monde, which is it's not even a sports newspaper. It's, it's one of the main respected, you know, daily newspapers that comes out in France. Mm. And, and PSG, 
it's been proven have colluded with the authorities to, mm-hmm. to and Manchester City to, to you know to falsify their documents and sponsorships to go around the rules that restricted them from, from buying players at ridiculous prices and they get half a page in Likip and suddenly it's, it's yeah and, and, and suddenly nobody's talking yeah. about it anymore. The thing <laughs> is with the the, the Likip and all and all that because they I think when you look at the history of Likip they're they're obviously the mainstay um they're like the go-to sports, sports magazine, mm-hmm. and they and when you look at the history and how that actually became about, they actually crushed all of the others to make sure that they will be the the mainstay. So everybody looks at Lequipe as if they're the, the you know the voice of France, and the only thing that Marseille fans or even Marseille, like Marseille um, officials are being told by these journalists when you're saying, look at PSG, look at the new uh, uh, Aco Hotel uh, contract, which is 60 million for a sponsorship. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, sir, is it? Yeah. yeah, but who's bought by this, by basically bought by themselves. All you're being um, answered is saying, oh yeah, but see what Tappy did, uh, allegedly for 25 years ago. Yeah. And it's just like, well, okay, so what, are we just skipping over what PSG is yeah. doing right? Why is this coming out now as well? It's just after 25 yeah, years, why does... It's just convenient. And, and Tappy this morning, <clears throat> he was on uh, Europe Radio in France, uh, he was asked the question, you know, they, he had he had a one hour slot bets, I think, and they, they mm. asked him the question straight away. He said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll address this once and final. It's bullshit. The guy's got sour grapes. Where's the proof? People love dragging my name through the dirt. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. And they, they tried to yeah. insist and he just, fair play, he just walks out the studio. Can I weigh in on this one? Um, Go ahead. I am, of course, like I said, I am a bit of a, a worshipper of Mr. Tappy. Um, I really think this is a load of crap. I mean, this whole accusation, this guy. I mean, who is this gentleman? What what, what did he do at Marseille? I've never heard of him once. And I think he was that, a driver. I'd read. Driver. I, I'm sure I read that. Jesus Christ. Driver. Oh, I can imagine. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong, but I, that's what I'd understood. But sorry. Well, I'll go I ahead. Think, no, no. Well, I think it's ridiculous. If he's a driver, I mean, what's he going to do? Is he writing the slips down like, Mr. Tappy, do you want the slip for this referee here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go, here we go. But I really think this is a load of, this load of pop Um I don't think Tappy. I think Tappy, he's a divisive figure in France. He is a very, you either love him or you hate him. And I think really, he's not particularly, I don't think these accusations are true, but then you've got all these, yeah. I mean, how do we not know Ulas has been doing it? How do we not know the Bonico board has not been doing Absolutely. it? Absolutely. We don't know. They're going around the rules another way with the tax haven. So it's, but it's interesting to know, you know, you, you've sort of studied Tappy and all of this. And, and do you agree? Do you, do you think that there is a general bias, not just football wise, but politically towards him? I think it's the typical story of the boy, the boy who comes from the bottom who makes good. They're all trying to knock him down, knock him down. They not he's not perfect. He's never been perfect. But for me, I don't think he's uh, corrupt in this case. I think it's uh, I, I think it's just the French media. It's a north south bias. They're all licking their lips, thinking, oh, "Okay, what can we yeah. get our back on? Find some yeah. sort of pick it out the air." I think, oh shit! I think, oh shit! Like, Whoever playing well, we need to decredibilize them. Yeah, Let's take some some merit away from them. I think I think like because I mean I, I'm not obviously I'm a bit I mean I was too young to be reinvolved with with Tappy's leadership, but I've only ever heard of it. But I think from from the last what like ten years of me being on social media um, and seeing read journalists, not just from just reading the the journal, um, but re just reading journalists' views on things. Um, it, it, I, it, it, I don't really care anymore because it, it doesn't matter what you Absolutely. do, whether it's true or false, it, it's always going to come up. Absolutely. So we, we're never going to hear the truth. Yeah. We just never are. And we're always going to hear accounts of, accounts of, accounts of are really um, very coincidental times because Tappy's having a, a hearing for a trial in, uh, I believe it's this week or next week. And it's just coming out today. So, you know what? Like, yeah, say whatever you want. Yeah. And the blokes, the blokes battling cancer, for Christ's sake. Just give him a break. Jesus. Do you mm. know He's what? He's not even involved with football anymore. I'm going to say, I don't even really care if the accusations are true or not. At the end of the day, it's in the past. Mm. It's, yeah, just... it's the same. And it's, it's two things. My, my, my final say on it is, I'm, I'm going to get to the point. And funny enough, L'Equipe, who is a pro-PSG journal, you know, newspaper, has been banned from, from going to their training ground. Um, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm almost leaning towards doing what Liverpool fans do with the Sun and just boycotting the mm. hell out of it. I, I barely read it anymore. I've, I've stopped subscribing yeah. to it. Okay. And then on the second note, that you know, the funniest thing is people people are trying desperately to tie Tappy to the Champions League victory mm-hmm. and, and saying that that wasn't merited. And, and anybody who believes that a guy like Tappy, as all-powerful as he was, could could outpunch or outcorrupt someone like Silvio Berlusconi. Is <laughs> absolutely, I know. Absolutely, this this is the thing. Like, can you think about the the possibility that other clubs might have been doing some dodgy stuff at that time as well? Um, and I don't want to make accusations about AC Milan because they had an outstanding team during that period. But but yeah, I mean, you would think Berlusconi is a bit of a master of corruption. So you, you've got to imagine that he had. He yeah, you've got to imagine that he might he might have been up to a few things himself. You know. Um, so at, at the end of the day, like I the the. The trophy was won. The, 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 it's, it's in the past, and I, I mean, I haven't really heard a lot from AC, AC Milan fans complaining about it. To be honest, like I'm in my life, so you know, I mean, we just, I think we just got to move on and um, accept what's happened, and I'll, I'll quite gladly take that one Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> what do they want? Do they want a repeat of the final? The players about fifty on no, I think that they want the title taken away. But I think my, my, I think my final statement on, on at least this, this bit of news is um, fine. Okay, I'm, I'm all for saying, right, let's take away the title to all the teams that, like to Marseille, because they're, they've achieved, they've been shown. Give us, not, give us the 1997 Europa, you know. Yeah, give, give, us the, give us the Europa League for, against Parma. They put on trial all the other teams, like Juventus, who've literally been downgraded for, for doping and cheating. But no, we're being we're being put as the face of corruption. Twenty five years ago, when teams have been doing it on and on and on and on and on again, ever since yeah. and before that, absolutely. And I think we'll just finish there and just just to correct, well, to reaffirm what I said earlier on, Mark Frattani was the driver and personal assistant for Bernard Tappy. So I mean, I think that says it all about the. Um, Jeez, the, did he, the did he not tip a bit of? Is that what it is? I think it, well, it, it puts it all, all into context, doesn't it? In, to, to know who he was and what his involvement was in the club and their affairs at the time. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I think you've got to take that with a pinch of salt, haven't you? Right. So um, there was a couple other stories I think that came up as well in the last week that we'll just touch on briefly. Um, so um, you may have seen the VAR. Um, Coming into the news again, so Marseille were denied a penalty against Nîmes um, at the start of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and the, the recent revelations in the press about the VAR process? Thanks for that, LMP. Trouble is, it's a few months too late. Mm. Well, uh, the, 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 what worries me more is the LFP covered it up. They didn't come out and actually say, we, we fucked up, there was a malfunction. Oh no! They, well, they—that's that was their line, you know. They didn't come out and and say, "Oh well, you know, we're reviewing how we're doing VAR, VAR in light of what we've heard the referee discussing with his assistant." And, and that just that transparency. Yes, we'd have been pissed off about it for a week or two, like we were. But just to know that they're going to try and improve it in light of that, and they'll take it as as you know a, a trial error and, and and improve it as as a result of that. Fine. It's just been covered up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for for the if if obviously viewers out there that uh, don't have the means to French speaking news, um, so obviously I'm a university, so I have a lot of time to watch these talk shows. Mm-hmm. And whether it's uh, Le Fossien or uh, Football Club Marseille or even uh, Enmoui Le Micro um, talked about it, um, the the feeling, the general feeling that they say is like, yes, this is out, this is outrageous. But we shouldn't re- complain about it too much because we got stumped in that game and that wouldn't have changed the thing. And I agree, but I don't think that's the argument here. I think the argument here is to show that, I lo- for, personally, I love VAR, I'm for VAR, but it only outlines the, the lack of competency of the French referees. It's, it's Just listen to the guy. Why are you arguing against the VAR uh, referee? Yeah, it's true. And then front, you know, the French league is very, very... It's well documented, and you've had it in the past where British referees or, or Champions League referees have come out and said, "Yeah, I made a mistake. I made the wrong call." And in France, that they, 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 the referees seem to be in this isolated, protective bubble, 
they're mm-hmm. untouchable, they're uncritical, you know, they yeah. can't be criticised. And it, it, it's led, and it's culminated last season when yeah. you had the referee trip up a player. Yeah. <laughs> who's now who's now being paid to be on uh, Canal Plus as a as a consultant? Yes, it's, it's just this little microcosm of, of, of you know let's pat each other's back and let's you know let's all support each other and help each other out and cover cover ourselves in glory yeah. at the expense of transparency in the game. And, and it's, it's not just Marseille; it, it yeah. isn't just us, which is even worse. The yeah. worst defender, the worst defender is Clement Turpin. Let's be honest. I watched him. Oh, when he refereed England, he did as proud last night. Because he, he doesn't <laughs> like Saint-Étienne either. He was torn. <laughs> he was torn between hating Marseille and hating Saint-Étienne. And finally, it is pro-Leon side that said, you know what, screw Marseille. Saint-Étienne are the true, true, true enemy. Yeah. yeah. I've, uh, he, was, he was refereeing the game, but I've never shouted to the referee more. I was shouting, yeah. you biased twat, you tosser, you... <laughs> <laughs> I went full, full DT from Arsenal Fan TV that night. Yeah. Not, not pretty. <laughs> They're just awful. Why has no one said to them, look, guys, you're making far too many mistakes. Get on with it or get new ones in from League 2. Yeah, mm. I agree. And have, and yeah, the, 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 the newer referees that have come in, I think, have done quite well. Fair play to them. Yeah, um, and I think, uh, like, out disclaimer, I absolutely hate, like, all the Marseille fans, Pierre Menez, um, the consultant oh, on the yeah. God, God How, I can't stand however, him. However, he's very, very critical of the refereeing, and there was a, a run when um, he basically, like, you could see during that, during, you know, the pre-games of the Sunday game, every time they were showing a highlight of a referee mistake, he would scuff or he would make a comment. And um, the union of the referees, instead of deciding, all right, there's far too many mistakes, let's look at the issue, they um, put a complaint in against Pierre Menez and uh, banning him from making any uh, sarcastic comments against the referees on the show. And it's just like, have you got no self-reflective like, abilities and say, right, okay, we've gained far too much criticism. Let's look at how we're training our, co- our, our referees. Let's look at how they're talking to the players because clearly they're not de-escalating situations all they're doing is frustrating players more and more by giving them yellow cards for no reason or just saying you know sending them off on it for for just saying you've you talked to me badly it, there's no psychology involved and it's just leading to players like Tovan when he got sent off just saying you know that it's like what are you doing like, what are you looking at hmm. you're not using the VAR correctly absolutely and it does it, it, I was really pleased about VAR coming in and I do think it's a good addition to um, the league but it's strange that we've had cases this season where I question the decisions that have co- that have come as a result yeah. of the VAR the, and yeah, it's just bizarre. Yeah, there have been a few against us. There have yeah. been a few against us but, but worryingly it's on the other, the other side of it. You know, you, you see 11 penalties for Lille and you see oh, Lyon earlier in, in the season. I think it was actually the first game of the season where Bertrand Traoré scores a goal. He's, he's, a, he's a, a yard offside. Mm. And yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, just, it needs to it be used consistently, doesn't it? Exactly. And, yeah. Um, I think on that note, though, I think we'll probably wrap it up tonight, guys. Um, to say thanks very much for taking part. And yeah, thank you. For, for setting it up. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. Um, good night. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Ciao, ciao.